You are listening to the Lazy Equity Podcast, brought to you by Bobby Hayeri and Darren Venter, founders of the Investors Agency and DBAR. With over 20 years experience in real estate between them and having bought hundreds, if not thousands of properties around the country, you are in the right place to learn all things property. This podcast is designed to educate and empower everyday Aussies to take control of their future through property. Hey guys, and welcome to the latest episode of the Lazy Equity Podcast. And on this episode, I'm super excited to have a good friend on the show. So the guest that's on today, he's a multiple business owner doing extremely well in both his businesses. He's, he's a family man with two young kids as well. I don't know how he fits it all in. And in this episode, we talk about different banks and different lenders and how they uh, have different, different tricks and tips and how you can increase your serviceability and what different banks and lenders are doing at the moment to encourage more borrowing power. So if you are limited with borrowing, or if you are looking to get different opinions on your lending side of things, then today's guest, Lachlan Parker from Shaw Financial, is going to add a lot of value. Lachlan, thanks for coming on the show, mate. Thanks, Bobby. Thanks for having me. First podcast? Yeah, first one. I think we were talking about before. we uh, got a podcast room in our office at North Sydney. I okay. uh, haven't used it before. I yeah. got a fair bit in social media myself, but yeah. uh, haven't used the podcast room. So uh, yeah, first podcast for me. See how you go after today. I'll promise I'll be nice. And then if you get comfortable enough to, to do your own hosts, so like if you start hosting your own, yeah. I would love to come on. Love to have you. Mate, Great. who's lucky in a few minutes? Yeah, awesome. So I'm a mortgage broker at Shaw Financial. We're based in North Sydney. Yeah. I've uh, been a broker myself for two and a half years. Knew one of the other brokers in the office. I yeah. came from, or I do come from a fitness industry. So when you um, say you do, still? Still doing a bit of it. I've got a fitness company. So we run boot camps in North Sydney. Okay. We run morning and evening sessions. I've got a couple other trainers. Yeah. Still showing a bit of face there, so I still run four sessions a week. Wow. A couple in the mornings, one evening. Got kids myself, so trying to scale it back so I can have more time with the kids. So yeah, nine to five or not nine to five, but kind of in the office, standard hours, and then do a bit of, bit of boot camps morning and evening still. Busy. Yeah. Busy, busy. So I was going to ask, one of the things I was going to ask you is how do you juggle? First of all, I guess being a mortgage broker, would you classify, would you see yourself as almost running your own business because you're solely responsible for your own leads? And how does it work? Are you responsible for only your own leads? But then also... Are you responsible for building your own team if you wanted to scale? Sure. So at Shaw, uh, we're all subcontracts, so and run our own business under there. Yeah. Uh, we do get a fair, like a, a bit of leads come through from Shaw. Yeah. Um, just the scale of the business. So if they have inquiries, I'll start handing them out to brokers. But yeah, solely responsible for bringing my own kind of business in. So I was from there, have my own referral partners, and generating our own business from there. So yeah. So juggling, I would say, running your own business on the broking side, because if you're generating your own leads, managing your own team when you want to scale and so forth, yeah. that's almost running your own business. Yeah, so. How do you juggle that? Running another business yeah. and being a father of two? Yeah, two. Yeah, so life's Teach busy. me. <laughs> Teach me your secrets. Yeah, well, I know you're a young one as well. Uh, and that's busy. Got a great wife. She helps out as well. Uh, she's still working full time as well. But Wow. Um, How old are the bubs? Yeah, so my daughter Lily, she's turning seven in September. Okay. And Jack just turned three. So okay. uh, his daycare, daughter's year one. Yeah, just manage, I guess. So I'll do a boot camp session in the morning, Monday what time, to Wednesday. So what time do you start in the morning? 6.15. So I usually get up at 5.30. Okay. Run the session for 45 minutes, come yeah. home, get changed and get Jack to daycare and then straight in the office from there. And then my wife does the pickup. So we juggle that and she'll kind of generally do most drop-offs in the morning for school. We live on the road at school, so that's quite convenient. You are, you live on the same we road. We live on the same road. We live about 50 metres from the school. So convenient. Uh, in Camaray, which is really nice. Yeah, okay. Camaray's right next to work as well, so it makes that travel distance. Yeah, so I walk home each day, just kind of have my yeah. little refresh time, and I get the bus in the morning. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah. Nice. And what's uh, what's the plan with the training business, the personal training stuff? Yeah, what's so the plans there? two trainers who run three sessions amongst them, and I run four. Yeah. I would love to probably scale back, so I'm kind of still showing phase. I still enjoy it. I've still got some really good members. We've been running for seven years now. Wow. So long-term, whether I sell it or not, could be an option, but yeah. uh, 
yeah, otherwise I'll still kind of show face a little bit, but I do need to try and get a bit more time back to the family. So, yeah, okay. So kids grow up, of course. And you mentioned family. So obviously, like, I'm similar. I'm a few years behind you in terms of the age of the kids. How have you found juggling work with kids as they've gotten older? Has it Have you found it to become easier or has it become more difficult because – because potentially they want to do more activities with you and they require more of your time. What's your what's your experience been like? Yeah, it's a big juggle. I was trying to find, like, daughter does acrobatics on a Tuesday, so trying to get the juggling with drop-offs and stuff like that. And luckily she does it with a couple of friends, so they'll do drop-offs and we'll do pickups. And then they're not doing any sports on weekends currently. Okay. Lily was doing nippers on Sunday, so we'd spend Sundays down at Balmoral yeah. doing that. But, uh, yeah, just trying to get the juggle of spending enough time with her as well as enough uh, – Bringing the money so we Bringing can in the money. <laughs> afford life, right? Yeah, living yeah. in Sydney, that's exactly, exactly right. That's the same. Like that's the, the reason I asked that question is because it's something that I've asked myself constantly. Like my kids at this age probably won't really remember anything. I don't remember anything at two, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. So like I'm thinking as they get older, am I going to want to spend more time with them because that's going to create more memories for them, but then they're also going to be at school more and, and, and so forth. So it's sort of like the reason I ask that question is because it's something that I'm asking myself because I don't yeah. know what it's going to be like in three, four, five years' time. Yeah, so I think the mornings are fine. If I'm doing a boot camp, they're getting up, that's fine. Yeah. It's, it's the nights I want to get back. So as a personal trainer, I was doing every evening or Monday to Thursday at least, and I want to be around for dinner. So yeah. with the, the broking, I'll finish 5 p.m. generally. I'll walk home from there. Help pick up kids and yeah, do all the bedtimes and all that type of stuff with my wife as well. Obviously, I'm not just doing it myself, but yeah, dinner, bedtimes, all that type of stuff, and doing the reading. So getting the juggle back of the nights is a big thing for me. Yeah, I just spend more time with them. They they do know it. Like my daughter, my son's too young, but daughter picks up and she said, "Oh, you're working a lot, all those sort of things." So yeah, yeah they they matter. Yeah, okay. That's I can completely relate. I'm quite lucky. Darren, my business partner, is very understanding of that. So five o'clock, I'm normally out as close to five o'clock as possible. Yeah, because I've generally, you know, you got two hours especially at my age, you got two hours before the kids go feral and need to go to bed. Yep. <laughs> so it's sort of like that two hours you want to spend and then I'll jump back on and do work afterwards yeah. if, I, if I need to. But you really want to get out at five to spend that time with them so I completely Yeah, the benefits of having a great team around you and so you have the slack to those things. So. Exactly, yeah. that's right. The reason I wanted to get you on, yeah. uh, you sent a video and I was like, I have to get you on to get some more of these nuggets, yeah. of, nuggets of gold. <laughs> yeah. So you sent a video mentioning about how one of the banks have improved their, changed some criteria, sure. which increases serviceability. And I guess for those who are listening, got to be aware interest rates have gone 11, 12 times over the yeah. past 13 months. Probably will go up another one or two times based on what we're seeing, even though the Federal Reserve actually paused interest rates this morning. Yep, in okay. the states. Perfect. So obviously that's a good sign for us. But I think in Australia we've probably got a few more to go, and I'll get your thoughts about this yeah, a little sure. bit later as well. Even though interest rates have gone up, banks are looking to still lend. They're in the pro- they're in the business of lending, and if they don't lend, they don't make money. Yeah. So what are some things you're seeing with different lenders as to how they're increasing the ability of people to borrow more money? Sure. So the video I sent you was based on Commonwealth Bank. So just as an example, not spooking them at all because yeah. I work with. 45 different lenders, but as an yeah. example, they came in the other week. Their rental income assessment, so generally they have a thing called shading. So if you've got 100% of your income, assume it's $100,000 in rental income per year, they'd normally use 80%. So they'd use 80% or $80,000 rental income for so, servicing. So if your rental income from a property is $100,000, they'll only take into consideration $80,000. Yeah, as a general rule. Yep. Is that just because they can, they, they can serve it vacancies and, exactly. and maintenance and so yeah. forth? Okay. CBA has announced that they're now going to take 90%, which is great. So if you have that 100000 again, an extra $10,000 for serviceability for that loan. And is there, sorry to interrupt you there, no, mate, is there a rule of thumb if someone has an extra $10,000 in serviceability, is there a rule of thumb as to how, sorry, $10,000 income? Yep. My apologies. No, that's all right. 
is there a rule of thumb as to how much serviceability that will increase? Yeah, as a rough rule, a year ago, I would have said six times the income is roughly what you can borrow, depending on liabilities, your circumstances, but as a rough rule. Yeah. I'd say we're getting closer to the fives, okay. five to five and a half times your income. Okay. As a rough rule, depending on your liabilities, is probably what you can borrow. Okay. So if someone gets an extra $10,000 in their income, they could potentially borrow up to 50, about 50 55, grand. 55, yeah. Okay. Exactly. Cool. Another thing they announced was rental income caps. So- Was this Commonwealth Bank? Commonwealth Bank. And this is a great one for investors interstate. Probably not so much in Sydney. Probably great for your, your buyers. Yeah. The rental cap before on the gross rental yield was 6%. Yep. Now they've gone up to 7%. As an example, we've got 35,000 income before. We only take 6% of that. Yep. Now they're going to take the full 7%. Yeah, okay. Big difference on what you're doing a service. If you've got an interstate purchase, rental, gross rental income of 7% or higher, we can now use that 7% rather than 6%. Yeah, okay. We've seen that desktop valuation through ComBank at the moment are quite bullish. Are yeah. they... Based on what you're seeing, do you see different banks do this at different times in terms of how comfortable they are to taking on more debt in terms of opening up their books? Is that Do the banks have the ability to increase the amount of debt they take on based on valuations or based on changing these kinds of rules? Yeah, CBA has been really good. I actually had a construction loan based in Sydney. I do at the moment. Val came in a couple hundred thousand dollars more than St. George, their existing lender. So we're going to take them away. Just huge. The desktop Val actually came in more than the construction loan for their existing lender. Wow. So as complete. And can I, sorry, can I ask the value of that? Of that yeah, for sure. So, just to put it into context. Yeah, as context. So without the build, we're getting 2.1 as a the value at the moment. Yep. Uh, as complete after construction is going to be 2.5. Their existing lender had under 2.1 as complete. Wow. 2.03. So $470,000 difference. So what are we looking at? Near, wow. Yeah, near 20, oh, over 20%. Why would the bank give a valuation higher than what the actual construction costs? Are they not just putting themselves? Oh, sorry, the construction is actually going to be 550. So it's probably not going above. Okay. But it's just a big difference between the banks. Between the banks. Why they do that, I'm not sure. Their existing loan is going to lose the business because they can't refinance from that. Yeah. Yeah, and they're going to lose $2 million loan. I think it comes down to, yeah, just the bank's appetite. I remember ANZ a few years ago, they were very bullish on taking on new clients and taking on new debt. And then yeah. they, you probably know better than me, but they got to a point where they couldn't actually service the amount of, like pre-approvals were taking six weeks and, and finances were falling yeah. through because they didn't have the structure behind them to take on that many uh, that yeah. many new clients. Yeah. I remember ANZ did it a few years ago. Now Combank's doing it. So I think it just comes down to their appetite to take on more debt or, um, or open up their books. Yeah, I love the word appetite because it's one I use with clients a lot. Because banks will have a different appetite for what they like seeing. Yeah. Whether it be self-employed, whether it be investors, interest only. Some banks have, or another bank just came out saying they're going to do 95% P&I investment. P&I investment? Yes. Wow. They came in yesterday and they said they're going to do that. They haven't done that previously. So, Can you say, appetite. Are you able to say what bank that is? That was Newcastle Permanent. Okay. But then, as you said, more appetite brings in more demand. SLA, which is kind of their time for servicing, is blown out. Yeah, okay. So whether you're looking for a pre-approval really quick you've already exchanged without a pre-approval. Yeah. Wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> Had people with someone by the other day without having done it. In New South Wales. Queensland, luckily, so they had 14 days, but yeah. uh, had to work at all the finances within that time. But yeah, appetite's a great thing. So banks will have different things. So that's why I wouldn't recommend just going to your bank trying to find something because there's so many solutions out there. Yeah, and are you seeing, so it sounds like at the moment ComBank's quite bullish. Are you seeing any other changes with other lenders that are increasing people's ability to borrow more money? Yeah, so a big thing was refinancing with the buffer rate. I know you did a video on this, I think on maybe one of our conversations. So yeah. 
If you don't know, they do an assessment rate, which is a buffer. So if you have an example of a rate of 6%, yeah. they'll add 3% when they're assessing you. So they'll assess you, can you make repayments at 9%? Yeah. Obviously, just as a risk appetite to see, obviously with the rates increasing, we hope they're not going to increase or they're not going to increase another 3%. I'll put it out there. Yeah. <laughs> but they want to have that appetite just to see, can you make repayments? So they got another 3%. Yeah. Westpac groups come out and said they're going to do a 1% buffer which is amazing. So instead of assessing you, again, using that example of 6%, yep. they'll assess you, can you make repayments at 7%? This is only for people refinancing rather than new clients. Is that correct? Correct. A couple things to note with that is there are conditions. I won't go to all of them, but they're not doing interest-only loans. Yep. And also the repayments have to be lower. Might make, like it might sound stupid, go and lower rate, of course you can do that. Yep. But it means you can't go straight off a fixed rate into the serviceability buffer. So if you have a loan expiring, you're coming to me and say, hey, okay, I want to, and refinance right now, my fixed term expires in three months. Yeah. You have to revert onto their standard variable, have a month payment at that higher rate before right. you can refinance. Okay. Interesting. Just wonder, a little catch. Wonder why they do that. They just want to see if you can make repayments based on the lower instead of the higher. Okay. Yeah. Another bank, so Pepper came out and did that. They announced that this week. And I think hopefully a few more follow, but it's not Pepper's a Pepper's done the same thing. Pepper came out and did that. To 1%. A 1% buffer as well. Okay. Pepper don't generally have the best rates. They're more kind of a second tier lender yeah. option great for kind of low doc or people trying to surface more with investment loans, especially yeah. if you've got kind of current loans in interest only. Yeah. I won't go into all the details for you, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it looks as though quite a few of the banks are getting a bit more bullish and trying to open up their, their ability to, to lend more money. I guess, do you want to explain the differences between first tier, second tier and third tier lenders and how they can benefit different different borrowers at different times yeah, i yeah. guess mainly just in i guess on a surface level in terms of the debt to income ratios and how that can have an impact yeah sure so i guess your first tier lenders are probably kind of your big four banks how we would normally do that is you'd probably see a standard variable rate and we'd get a discount off that so we'd say As hey the broker will get a discount yeah off a that. broker so yeah. you'd say hey what's the best rate and i'd actually have to do pricing for you so yeah. this their standard variable might be eight and a half percent you would ask for a discount of three percent and see the lowest we can get. And we'll do pricing all the majors. Sure. That's great if you kind of want to have a bank that you want to go into branch all the time. Serviceability might fine. You just want to stick with your existing lender to have less apps in your phone or whatever it might be, sure. less net back options. Yeah. Tier two lenders kind of might be ones you've heard of before, but you're not going to the branches all the time. There might be online banks. They're like Bankwest, ING. Bankwest, ING. They're subsidiaries of the big banks generally. They don't always have the same policies as well. So you think, oh, Bankwest and CBA, exact same things. But they've got different policies for different yeah. needs. And Bankwest actually have some great niches for self-employed. So it's one of those ones I'm taking there all the time at the moment. Yeah. Just because of those type of policies. And then with the third tier lenders, obviously, so what we see a lot of the time with investors, they are maxing out their serviceability with your top tier lenders because they generally won't lend you, let you borrow as much. However, you do get a more competitive interest rate, but then you're able to, for some people, then go to your third tier lenders, which then have a higher ability to, to get you into debt. Is there a rule of thumb in terms of top tier? I know you mentioned five times now in terms of yep. debt to income. Is there a rule of thumb for your third tier lenders? So they might have different DTI, so which is debt to income ratio. So generally we're kind of seeing that at six. Some of the banks are lowering that to five now. Yep. I don't know the, I guess, the cap on that. I guess there's two reasons I'd take clients through a third tier lender. Yeah. One is they've already got interest only loans and instead of having that buffer, the assessment rate will only be kind of the actual repayments they're paying at the moment. So if you've got an interest-only loan, you're paying $500 a month or a week, yep. they'll take that actual assessment rate. Yep, as opposed of, to the PNI. Yeah, instead of the buffer okay. as well. Or they'll take it at kind of their repayments times 1.25. Right, okay. Opens up serviceability a lot more, yep. especially if you've got a lot of investment properties. So yep. if you've already got two, three, four, and you're trying to get the other property, you can't get it through your major, yep. or your second-tier lender, great option. Yeah. 
Other reason is low doc. Got self-employed income. Most banks want to see two years finance or two years ABN or ACN registered. Yep. At least one year's financials. Sure. Banks, the lower tier lenders or third tier lenders will accept low doc, which means you can go in with an accountant's letter. Generally, your ABN is going to be registered for at least three months. Okay. You can either have an accountant's letter or self-declaration letter stating what you earn. Yep. As or six months BAS statements. Okay. The rate is going to be higher. Yeah. But it's an option to get into the market. So if you're finding, hey, I can't get in the market, I don't want to have to wait until I've got ABN rates for two years. Yeah. I found the property I want. I know I'm going to get capital growth. I'm happy to pay the extra rate. Call it 2% yeah. to get me into the market. I know that whatever property I'm going to buy now is going to subside that. And then in a year's time, I can refinance to a first or second tier. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point, man. And that's a conversation that we have with clients uh, quite often in regards to if they do want to go to second or third tier lenders and pay a higher interest rate. First thing is, well, can you comfortably afford that higher interest rate? If no, then it's not, not an option for you. Yeah. But if you can then you need to weigh up how much more your repayments will be over the next one or two years on that higher interest rate, how much capital gains you're going to get on that property. Or even if you choose to sit on the sidelines to wait another 12 months, how much more will you be paying for that property? If it's yeah. a PPOR, for example, yeah. Sydney market has been growing at one to one and a half percent per month. Yep. After 12 months, that's going to be a 16%, 17% capital growth yeah. on a one and a half million dollar or $2 million property. Yeah you're far better off paying the extra 2% in interest because exactly. uh, it's going to cost you a lot more to pay. So that's one of the things that we tell people all the time as well. And and for investment properties, it's the cost of doing business as long as we don't condone getting into unnecessary debt or exactly. um, getting into debt past what you can comfortably afford. Yeah. But if you can afford it, you're better off having four investment properties rather than two because yeah. your returns on four will be far greater than the interest that you're going to pay. Yeah, and I'll show my clients a breakdown. This is what you're going to pay. This is what the risk fee might be if there's one involved. Yeah. Do you, like, do you predict that the, the income you want to generate from this and the capital growth is going to a greater benefit to you by the time you get the other financials? That's why we always recommend all our clients to use mortgage brokers as well because you guys know which lenders are best suited to each client sure. as opposed to a client going out to 20 different lenders. Yeah. Imagine the time it's going to take. One bank will say, no, it's just impossible to yeah. do that. But if you go to a mortgage broker who can give a really good personalized service and gives you that yeah, gives you that personalized service, then you do know that they're going to show you that the right lender for you. Yeah. And one of the feedback, we've obviously got mutual clients together. Yeah. And one of the reasons why we like working with you and the feedback that we've had is it's very personalized and you do like to take the time to answer their questions, yeah. nurture them through the process, explain the pros and cons. And that's one of the feedback that we regularly get. We have yeah. had a few yeah. clients who um, who do like to ask quite a few questions yeah. and they are quite diligent in, in their due diligence, yeah. which is fine. It's yeah, the biggest biggest decision someone's going to make. Definitely. And yeah, so if you can't find that, that broker that does take that time as opposed to just being a number, yeah. um, then you can, you know, that... that that time spent with them can pay dividends. Yeah, and I think that's an education piece as well. So trying to work out just not the plan for now, but if they're trying to get two properties, how are they going to get their structure, that type of thing? And yeah. you're not going to get that from a bank. And it's not just all about trying to find the best rate and the lowest rate. And yes, it might be if you've got one property yeah. and you're just trying to narrow down the best rate. But if you're trying to work out a structure moving forward, you need to educate those clients. And it's just a bit different. I love getting on a Zoom call and I got the nuts and bolts of uh, how we're going to structure those deals. Yeah, nice, mate. I'd love to hear what you're seeing personally on the yep. finance side of things. Sure. And then what you're seeing across shore. Um, I mean, I'm not sure what you're comfortable sort of sharing, what you're yep. comfortable talking about, whatever you can. Yeah. And when I say what you're seeing, I mean in terms of a few things. So volume numbers, in terms of not necessarily refinances, but I like to see volume numbers for new clients, that are new people people looking to get into debt, and also whether they're predominantly investors or owner-occupiers, or if there's been a decrease in volume numbers. Like, yeah, okay. I'd love to see what you're seeing. Maybe 
over the past 12 months. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. Not not a day by day. Um, no, 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 <laughs> not a day right. by day example, but maybe just like, you know, what did you see when interest rates started going up 12 months ago? Yeah. What did you start seeing four or five months ago? And what are you seeing now? Yeah, sure. As a whole, I think Shaw's probably down this 12 months compared to the previous 12 months, just in terms of volume with lodgements and settlements. I think just with all the rate increases, yep. uh, yeah, I know you didn't want to speak too much about uh, the refinances, but there's people who have had to refinance, so that's been a lot of business. I think with the, the rate pause in April, we had a bit more business come through and then May, obviously another increase kind of scared a few people off. I think as a whole, we'll get a lot more business kind of in the second half or the, the first half of the financial year. I feel like I believe more stock will come on the market and yep. we'll see a lot more business start to come through. Yep. I'm starting to get a few more pre-approvals come through and People looking to purchase as owner requires and investors sure. uh, across the board over the last kind of two months. Yeah, I guess kind of a little bit quieter for a little period there, but I think business is starting to pick back up and people start transacting again and just realize I think we're hitting the top of the market in terms of rate rise. I do believe we'll probably get another one or two. Yeah, never know. I guess the economists have been wrong the whole time. Yeah, and, uh, Governor Lowe's been hammered for it, but uh, <laughs> I think we'll probably at least get one, maybe two more rate rises. Hopefully not too much more than that. And I think from there, people start to see we'll hit the top. And if you can least cover those repayments now and service that debt then there's not going to be too much hurt on the other side you can start getting back into the market however you however you feel yeah that's what we that's what we're telling clients that we speak to as well we say firstly can you afford a property that you're paying a six percent interest rate on in the current climate if no then now's not the time for you yeah if yes can you afford if that goes up to 6.5 6.75 or seven percent some clients are actually already in the seven percent especially with the third tier lender we've seen eight percent as well yeah, definitely so yeah. we've, we're telling people look can you afford another few interest rate rises yep. if so now is a great time because you're competing with a little bit less competition rents are increasing at 15 percent per annum in the markets we're buying in yeah you're seeing over 10 percent capital growth yep so if you can afford it now is a good time we did a poll on our lazy equity facebook group this is going back probably like six months ago and there's about three thousand members in there 40 percent of them or 38 percent of them said they're waiting till interest rates stop rising so obviously we've got that pause we also saw a spike in business but now we've had another increase so we've seen it inquiries slow down slightly but we do know as soon as that they do pause for a few months there's going to be almost 40 percent more demand in the market which is not when you want to be trying yeah, to get back so in. Yeah, so you'd probably agree that you probably want to get a little bit earlier. If you get a pause, call in two months and we have a couple of pauses in a row, yes, the market's going to be flooded again with people coming back in. Yeah. You probably don't want to be competing in that market. You want to be getting a little bit early and not trying to spook, trying to get an excessive debt. Yeah. But if you can afford it now and you can afford another couple of rate rises, I don't see sitting on the sidelines waiting, trying to compete with the other 38%, as you said. Yeah getting a little bit early if you can afford it if you can afford it exactly that's right so there's a lot of commentary at the moment of, of this you might know the numbers better than i would i haven't looked at them for a while i was trying to throw you under the bus yeah <laughs> this tsunami of mortgages coming off fixed to variable so i did an article back in november i believe there was about 550 billion dollars worth of fixed rates coming off this year yeah i think about 30 or 40 percent of them have already come off and there's probably about six, 55 to 60 percent due to still come off this year and most of them are going to be over the next three months yeah, so two big quarters are now and then the December quarter. Okay, so, so yeah. the next six months, that's when the bulk is, is yep. happening. Yep. So do you know, is that 60% that's due to come off, 55 60%? Do you know if that's accurate in what I'm saying? I don't, don't know, know exactly. Okay. I do know that, yeah, around now and then kind of December is going to be the, the two big peaks. I think we've got a, a three-month kind of not as much in that. It's the first quarter of the financial year. The yep. second quarter of the financial year is going to be another big hit with a lot of people coming fixed and going from those kind of 1.79 to 1.99 low rates and probably when we look up in the sixes, I guess we're sitting at 8% OOs, we're probably looking around that 5, 7, 5, 8, it's a low rate at the moment. Yeah. Unless with the majors, I guess you can go a second or third tier lender which have a bit more 
better rates and yeah. for the overall product. But uh, yeah, if we have another one or two rate rises, probably looking around that six percent and yeah so i guess the the thing that people want to weigh up and there's a lot of commentary on this at the moment we're seeing i see it all over the media i see it quite a bit on social media as well is will this percentage of fixed rates that are due to come off moving to variable will that will the impact that the negative impact that will have on the property market outweigh sentiment shift in terms of interest rates being at the top inflation decreasing and then migration ramping up we've got three hundred and fifty thousand people coming into the country yeah. every year so at the moment it's a bit of a juggling act between whether yeah. those guys coming off fix will outweigh the migration i mean my personal opinion opinion on this is when you look at say like 400 billion dollars it sounds like a lot but if you look at that in comparison to the australian property market which is nine trillion it's three or four percent of the Australian property market. Yeah. And if you tie that in with the debt that's on the Australian property market, which is three trillion, it ends up being about eleven or twelve percent, which is obviously higher. You know, eleven or twelve percent is not a small amount, yep. but it's not by, by any means the bulk of mortgages that are coming off. It's it's a minority in comparison to the debt that's in the Australian property market. We just need to see whether that migration ramp up will outweigh those guys who who are, who are coming off fixed. And I guess we've got to hope that spending yeah. the savings are going up a lot. So hopefully they've saved enough money. In that bathroom, rates have gone up. Yes, they're going to be going on to higher payments. What I would suggest to clients who are on a fixed rate and know it's expiring, see what your rate's going to be when you come off fixed and predict it. Can you make those repayments? Save a little bit of a buffer in there. So if you know you're going to go from $2,000 a month to $6,000 because your rates have tripled, can you make those $6,000 repayments as an example? If not, and you can only afford four, then let's have a buffer in there. Yeah. $2,000 a month for how long until rates might come back down? Yeah, how long will that ride you out for exactly? Yeah. And so you just got to be a little bit tighter with your spending yeah. knowing the rates are going to come up see if you can refinance to another lender you've got to realize that you can't just refinance to any lender because you'll check if you can actually service or borrow the new debt yeah and so that's the hardest thing if you can't what i would suggest is repricing your existing lender see the best rate you can get out there well we'll see what happens by the end of the end of this year what are you seeing i was speaking with the team about this in terms of if there's any questions that they 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 wanted me to ask you i always like to yeah, do that okay. when i bring you a guest on and sure. um, i won't throw you under the bus don't worry yeah, so, yeah, so i think it's a simple one what do you see probably is the most frequently asked question that you, that you do get for that or i guess two question two prong question sure. what's the most frequently asked question that you get and then what's probably the number one piece of advice that you'd give someone who's just starting to go buy their property or get into the finance, looking to start organizing their finance? I guess a lot of people trying to work out borrowing capacity as well as savings, trying to see how much they need. So it's an easy thing to do and kind of work the numbers through people. It's a big tip I'd have is with your savings, I don't think LMI is a bad thing. 100% agree with you. Yeah. Especially for investors trying to time the market, you don't need 20% savings. Yeah. There's so many options out there. It's first time buyers buying and required. There's so many government grants to get into the market sooner. Yeah. If you're an investor, doing a, a 90% loan. So what you'd essentially have is a 12% deposit plus the costs. Yep. That extra 2%, if you don't know, would be capitalized into loan as lender's mortgage insurance or LMI. A quicker way to get in the market. And if you can see the timing on saving 12% rather than 20% and having that capital growth in there or the rental income coming through, I think it's a great way. And I think people shouldn't be afraid of lenders and mortgage insurance. That's a really, really good piece of uh, piece of advice. Especially for investors. I love it. We have this conversation a lot with, with clients, not necessarily like if someone can't afford it, then it's one question. But if someone has like, this is a perfect example. Let's just say you got $130,000 in savings. Yep. You have serviceability for a million dollars. Sure. But you're weighing up whether to do a 20% deposit on a $500,000 property. And then when you look at stamp duty and other costs, that's going to be your full $130,000. Or do you put two proper two ten percent deposits down on two five hundred thousand dollar properties? Do you know off the top of your head what the LMI would be on a five hundred thousand dollar property with ten percent? 
Approximately. Yeah, yeah. So you're looking at two percent, so ten thousand dollars on a five hundred thousand dollar property as a rough rule. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and is that that's over the life of thirty years, right? Yeah. So you can capitalize that into a loan. It's over thirty years and cost of a coffee a week. We've just we've just spent that here with these uh and investments tax deductible. So okay. So so that like that, that's what people need to think about if you're paying an extra twenty thousand dollars in lenders mortgage insurance over 30 years, a couple of coffees a week, if yep. that. But if you've got a million dollars worth of assets growing at 10%, rather than $500,000 worth of assets at 10%, yep. you're gonna be in a far better position after year one, let alone year three, four and five compounded. And just diversifying your, your portfolio, right? You can have one that's going for capital growth, one for rental income, or if you, you found one one property that's, you've bought a million dollar property and it's not growing how you like, you've got two 500s, one's going great, one's going, Across. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then for those who don't have the $130,000 savings, exactly what you said as well. Let's just say you've got um, seventy dollars or $80,000 worth yeah. of savings. That $500,000 property will be far more expensive in 12 months' time, possibly. Depends yeah. on the market. But, buying the right places. Um, if you're buying yeah, in the yeah. right places, that $500,000 right <laughs> property will be more expensive. So you've just got to weigh up those. Uh, obviously, uh, again, we're not recommending getting into unnecessary amount of debts or over-leveraging yourself. Yeah. But instead of just obsessing over, I guess, the LMI or getting it to that 20%, it could yeah. cost you more sitting on the sidelines. I think people just think of it as a negative thing. Yeah. Extra fees, all those sort of things. But look at the market and see how it's going to move or scenario moving forward. Yeah. How much longer is it going to take you to save that extra 10%? If it's going to take an extra two years, how much capital growth are you going to lose on that or yeah. getting into the market? And if that property has gone from 500 to 550, now you've got to save the extra 20% for that extra $50,000 growth. Exactly. You've got to save an extra $10,000 now. Exactly. How much longer is that going to take you? Yeah, exactly. That's right. So would you say that's probably one of the most common questions that you do get asked as well in terms of whether people should save up an extra 10 or 8% or... People have um, come in saying, hey, what's my borrowing capacity? How much deposit do I need to buy? And so I'll work out scenario. Yeah, and a lot of people think they need 20%. So yeah. I guess those type of things, if you're looking at first-time buyers, it's what government grants do I qualify for? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of different questions for different scenarios. Yeah. And I work with owner acquirers, investors all across Australia. So a range of different questions, I guess. But the LMI one is, I guess, topical today. Yeah. And then owner acquires a lot of first-time buyers. Yeah, okay. Let's get your crystal ball out. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and we'll, uh, we'll, this will be live, so we'll hold you to it. No, yeah, no okay. I'm joking, no pressure. Where do you think, well, we touched on it already briefly, but I guess where do you think interest rates will be? Let's just say, where do you think interest rates will be based on the conversations you're having with the guys at Shaw? Obviously, yeah. such a big such a big company. You're yeah. obviously speaking with BDMs at the banks as well. So based on those conversations, have you been given any feedback or any thoughts as to what the bank's economists are thinking interest rates will be? Let's just say in the next three months, but yeah. then also say 12 months down the track. Yeah, so I think we'll... We'll get two to three more rate rises. Yep. Two would probably be conservative side of things. Yep. Hopefully not three. Yeah, we'll get too many more than that. So yep. two to three is probably my guess. And then I guess economists are predicting, depending on the lender, different things. So CBA were kind of coming out and saying rates might decrease by December this year. I don't think that's going to happen. But I think hopefully by mid next year, we'll start to see rates decrease. So if you can make repayments now or two or more three rate rises and hold that off for six, 12 months, I do think rates will start to come back down. We're not going to get back in the 2%. You're not going to get those rates anymore. Don't ask for it. It's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> Unless we go into a very, very deep reception. Then yeah. Inflation is just not dropping what it's supposed to be. And they're yeah. trying to get targets of 2 3%. And it's achieved at 6.8% now, I believe. Yeah. But yeah. I do think we'll get two or three more rate rises. And hopefully within around 12 months, we'll start to see some decreases. How, how low that goes, I'm not sure. But we'll start to see a couple. 
I won't hold you to it. So don't <laughs> don't worry, mate. Mate, so for all those listeners, all those people that want to, all those listeners who want to reach out, uh, where we'll put your um, your handles. Is that what the kids call it these days? The I handles, think so, yeah, I'm always hashtags, <laughs> handles. I don't. Know. We're yeah. fathers now, mate. We're out yeah, of that my stage. daughter probably knows more than me. <laughs> uh, we'll put all your handles or yeah, whatever cool. they're called into yep. the show notes. But uh, where can where can people follow you or reach out to you if they want to? Yeah, so I'm pretty active on Instagram and TikTok, believe it or not. I do a bit of LinkedIn. Do you do the dancing? No, I, that's one thing I said when I started. <laughs> so I'm going to do, I do videos, it's educational, but I'm not dancing okay. too old, don't have the moves. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm Lachlan at shorefinancial.com.au and I'm sure you can jump my number in there. So Perfect, mate. Thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. Cheers, Bobby. Cheers, mate. Thanks for listening to the Lazy Equity Podcast. The advice given on this podcast is of a general nature only, and you should make your own decisions before taking any financial risks. If you would like to stay in touch with the show, join the Lazy Equity Facebook group or find the Investors Agency on Instagram and Facebook.